Welcome back to my Pirkei Avot Shi'ur. It's a pleasure to be with you and thank you so much for joining. We're looking at today at Mishnah Yud Gimel in Perik Base, And uh, I just want to alert you to the fact that there's different um, enumerations of the Mishnayis in Pirkei Avot. If you look at a Mishnah, it's different than if you look at your Siddur. And uh, don't take that too personally. Uh, the fact is, all you need to do is just refer backwards or forwards to make sure that you're looking at the right Mishnah if you want to look inside. But uh, the Mishnais has a different count of each Mishnah, and we are working according to the count of the Mishnah itself and not according to the version that you find in your Siddur. We're looking at the 13th Mishnah of the second chapter. You recall that we are discussing the different pronunciations or the different um, uh, statements by the Talmidim, pronouncements by the Talmidim of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who was the foundational figure of the post-Second Temple period of Jewish history, he was the Tana, he was the Talmudic rabbi who established the possibility of creating a Talmudic Academy in Yavne, Tenli Yavne v'chachomeha, give me Yavne and its scholars, he said to the Roman general, and after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, he indeed was able to obtain permission to establish a Talmudic Institute, a rabbinic training facility in Yavne, which could be home to the Sanhedrin, could be home to the great scholars of Jewish knowledge, of Jewish law, and he had five principal Talmidim, and we've been discussing some of their pronouncements, some of the things that they said uh, in order to uh, give over to their um, Talmidim, to their students, to their disciples, the way that one should behave as a good Jew, as a, a person of faith who subscribes to the faith as carried forward after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Of course, we were talking earlier on about the um, scholars, the Tanaim, like Hillel and Shammai, who lived during the time of the Beit HaMikdash. But now we're talking about rabbis who lived after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, and they were extremely concerned that Judaism shouldn't be lost. They were concerned that the not just uh, the laws of Judaism, but the essence of Judaism shouldn't be lost, and that Jewish life should continue, should be maintained, should be sustained, by those who did not have the benefit of being able to go to the Beit HaMikdash, of having all the mitzvot which are associated with the Beit HaMikdash, and slowly but surely the center of gravity drifted from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel. Of course it took throughout the time of the Talmudic period until that happened, but eventually it was the diaspora, it was the Jews outside of Eretz Yisrael who took forward the, as it were, the Jewish religious project to make sure that there would be a community of Jews who would be available, who would be ready to welcome the Messianic era. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and we owe our success, the fact that we exist, the fact that we are able to sustain ourselves as Jews is only because we have these great shoes to fill, that we have these great rabbinic and spiritual mentors in our history who enabled us, who gave us the possibility, who created a viability for Judaism 
beyond the strict letter of the law, both through the interpretative methods that we use in the Gemara and also in this very concentrated um, text that we call Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, how one has to behave as a Jew. It's not good enough just to know the laws of being Jewish. How should one behave as a Jew? And each one of the rabbis had their own favorite um, method by which uh, they felt that their students or those that followed them could uh, maintain their Jewish standards. And that is the ethics that they wish to convey for future generations. That is what we're going to be talking about today, which we've been talking about for all the previous uh, shiurim that I have given on Pirkei Avot. We're only, can you imagine, there's six chapters of Pirkei Avot. We're only halfway through chapter two, and we've got so much uh, way to go. But we're going to be talking today about Reb Shimon ben Nassano. Who was Reb Shimon ben Nassano? Do you know who he was? He's not mentioned that often in the Gemara or even in the Mishnais. In fact, he's only mentioned here and in a couple of other places. Reb Shimon ben Asana was a Koyen. He was a priest. He, he was a priestly descent. Uh, and the key thing is that, first of all, he was uh, an incredibly pious individual. He was known for his piety. And, he was, and it's important to have pious people that one is associated with. People who take the law and the detail of the law very seriously for religious and for faith reasons, not because they are OCD, but because they know that it matters to God. And when you are associated with such people and you see the diligence of their observance, it rubs off. Reb Shimon ben Asana was such a person. He was extremely diligent in his observance of every Jewish law. And we're going to see, in fact, that he talks about the observance of Jewish law in the, uh, in the statement that he makes for Pirkei Avot. Rabbi Shimon ben Asana was married to the daughter of uh, um, Rabbi Gamliel Hazokain, the original Rabbi Gamliel, whose grandson took over the control of the Sanhedrin after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and after the death of Rabbi Yechonon ben Zakkai. And uh, Rabbi Gamliel was, of course, a controversial character. He got into a fight with Rabbi Hoshua and um, he was briefly demoted, and then he was uh, once again reinstated as the head of the Sanhedrin in Yavne. But his uncle was Reb Shimon ben Nasanel, who was married to his aunt, the daughter of Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Gamliel Hazokein. So we're going to see today what Reb Shimon ben Nasanel had to say. Reb Shimon Oimer, Heve Zahir Bekriyashema Ubitfila. It's extremely important that you concern yourself diligently to make sure that you recite the Shema and that you say the Amidah Shman Esrei and that you ensure that you do so on time. Now, Shema is a very curious mitzvah, as is, by the way, Amidah, not quite in the same Away, but Kriya Shema, you know from the beginning of Brochus, those of you who studied Dafyomi knows that know that last year we went through uh, the first few Daf of Brochus. We talk about when we have to say Kriya Shema. What is the correct time to read the Shema, both in the evening and in the morning? 
And you know you can say Shema all day. The Gemara in Brochus says there's no problem with saying Shema. Shema is a declaration of faith. Shema Yisrael Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem Echad. Then you have the second paragraph. Hashem you need to love Hashem your God. And then you have Vahoya Im Shemaya, which talks about some of the aspects of uh, life that could go wrong if you're not as faithful to God as you should be. And it ends off with, in a very similar vein to some of the aspects of the first paragraph of Shema. And we have the third paragraph of Shema, which was added on, which was the parsha of Tzitzis from Shlachlacha, from the parsha in Bamidbar, about that you have to wear Tzitzis to remind you of the mitzvahs Hashem. But Kriya Shema is something that has to be read by a particular time in the day. You can't do it um, later. You can't do it earlier. You have to make sure that it is morning and that you do it at the time that uh, it's Beshach Becha Uvukumecha. In the evening, you have to do it at the time when you are going to sleep. That is the uh, the Psak. Of course, we that Rabban Gamliel says you can say it all night, but we Paskin that you have to say it at least until Chatzois, and that you have to have completed the Shema on time before midnight. And in the morning, you have to say it in the first few hours of the day. You can't just say it all day. You can't leave it until the afternoon. Now, most mitzvahs, you can do all day. Now, you could shake lulav on sukkus. You don't have to shake it in the morning. You could shake it in the afternoon. You could, um, uh, you know, eat matzah. Of course, you have to eat matzah on the first night of Pesach. But you don't have to eat matzah. Uh, um, the whole of Pesach at a particular time. In fact, if you never ate matzah at all the whole of Pesach, that would be absolutely fine. You just have to make sure you don't eat any chametz. Most mitzvahs don't have a particular time in the day that you have to do them, that you have to do them by. We're not talking about karbonos here. We're talking about the average mitzvah. You have to do a mitzvah on the day, then you have to do it during that day. You don't have to do it a particular time on that day. Shema is different. You have to have done it in the morning. Why? Because you have to declare your faith in God as soon as you wake up in the morning. You have to declare your faith in God just before you go to sleep at night. That's the appropriate time to do it. That's what it says in the Pasuk. B'shach b'cha uvekumecha. Says Rab Shimon ben Asanel, make sure that you who declare faith in God don't somehow dismiss the importance of the timing of that mitzvah. Make sure that you are zahir, you are careful, you consider the implications of making sure that you do so on time. Bikriya Shema Tfilah. Tfilah, of course, is the main mitzvah of davening. Shema is not something you have to do with a minion. Tfilah is something that you need to do with a minion. And in fact, if you don't do it with a minion, you can't have Chazorah Sashatz. Says Reb Shimon, make sure that when you daven Shemene Esrei, you do it at the right time. And that means, of course, that you will do it with a minion. You have to make sure that you have a schedule. You have to make sure that you're disciplined. These are the crucial, critical mitzvahs. The critical commandments, the critical obligations of Jewish faith. You must declare your faith. You must pray to God. And in order to do so, you have to do so in the morning and you have to do so in the evening. Don't do it at your leisure. Don't do it when it's convenient for you. You must do it when God expects it of you. This is your way of showing reverence 
for God by conducting yourself according to God's timetable, according, according to God's schedule. That's what you need to do. Says Reb Shimon, if you want to be a faithful Jew, don't be somebody who lets these mitzvahs fall by the wayside. Don't be somebody who treats them as something that you can do later on. Make sure that you honor your obligations in terms of timing as much as in terms of doing the mitzvah itself. Shema is not just about saying the Shema. Shema is about the time that you say the Shema. Make sure that you say Shema at the right, and the, uh, uh, the right moment in the day, which is first thing in the morning when you daven, and of course in the evening before you go to sleep. And when you daven, when you are praying to God, don't be somebody who prays just discharging your duty. It is not something that's a matter of convenience. You know, I need to daven, I need to get it out of the way. You know, we used to laugh, us Europeans, uh, of course, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm British, I come from England. We used to laugh about the fact that um, Americans used to come to Europe and say, we need to do Rome, we need to do Paris, and we need to do London. You know, they've got three days on their schedule. They're coming to London. They've got to make sure that in the time that they're there, they're going to do London. We'll do Buckingham Palace. We'll do the Tower of London. We'll do the Houses of Parliament. We'll do the British Museum, whatever it is that they're going to do. That's not how you treat something which has deep meaning and great depth. When you come to a place or when you read a book which is of great import, which has more than just the words on the page or the place that you actually are at. It has deep meaning. It's not good enough just to do it. I was there. You know that many years ago, I went to the Grand Canyon with my, at that stage, he was, I don't know, seven, eight years old, my youngest son. And we got there after driving for many, many hours from California. We got to the Grand Canyon, which is an awesome sight. And he got out of the car together with us and we went to the edge of the Grand Canyon and we looked at this vast and incredible geological uh, um, phenomenon known as the Grand Canyon. And he looked at me and he looked at my wife. He said, for this, for this we drove for eight hours? Really? For this? How, how is that possible? And of course he didn't understand it. He didn't see the beauty in it. He couldn't stand there and look at the Grand Canyon for 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and be awed by the Almighty's creation. He couldn't look at the Grand Canyon and see something which was beyond just something that was at the end of the journey. It wasn't stimulating for him. And he wasn't waiting for the stimulation. He wanted immediate stimulation as a child. Of course, that's to be expected. Says the Mishnah here, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel, it's a wonderful piece of advice. Some people come to Davening and they say, for this? That's, that's all it was about? I have to come to Davening and we're going to say these words? That's all it's worth? They're not thinking about the meaning of the words. They're not looking into what it means to pray to God. They're not overawed 
by the fact that God gave us commandments that enables us to access him at particular times in the day, at particular times of the year with particular prayers. Says Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel, I'll task keva. Don't make your prayers, your connection, your communication, your conversation with God, keva, just something that you do. So that when you get there, you think to yourself, really? This is it? This is the whole thing? This is the whole experience? Ella, he says, Rachamim. Let's be honest. Rachamim v'sachanunim amokim baruchu. Do you know what this is? This is your opportunity to get mercy, to engage with in a positive way with God. This is your moment. This is your conversation. This is your audience with God. This is an awesome moment in your life. And you don't have that as a one-off, once in a lifetime, once in a decade, once in a year. It's something that you have every single day, not once a day, but three times a day. You have an opportunity to commune with God. Don't make it a kevah. I did it yesterday. I'm doing it again tomorrow. It's all okay. What are you talking about? This is your moment. This is your interface with God. This is your opportunity. Don't waste it. Treat it with the reverence and the respect that it requires. You have, you, whoever you are, whoever you are, whatever you think of yourself, you have an incredible opportunity to communicate with God. Wow, that's something to be cherished. That is something that you should value. That is something that you should celebrate each and every time you do it. That's what it means to be a good Jew, to be a person of faith. That every moment you have to say the Shema and to Davan Shemun Esrei, that should be something that you value, that is so great in your life. You want to do it. And the next time you do it, you say, I'm so happy that I'm doing it again. And the next time you do it, you say, I'm so happy I'm doing it again, again. Unbelievable. We have this chance. We have this opportunity. The Altahi Rosha Bifne Atzmach. And Rabbi Shimon says an unbelievable thing. He says, You know, that some people, they have this attitude about themselves where they say, you know, Do you know the type of people who are always saying sorry? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't say sorry. You know what sorry means? It means that you think very negatively of yourself, it means that you have very low self esteem. Says Rabbi Shimon, don't have low self-esteem. Don't be a person who always looks negatively at everything that you do or think that other people have a bad perception of who you are. Be positive. Be optimistic. Be upbeat. You are the best that you can be and try and be the best that you can be. And of course you're going to get things wrong. Is there a human being on the planet who hasn't made a mistake? Is there a human being in the world, who hasn't done something wrong in their life? Absolutely not. People make mistakes. You are entitled to make a mistake. But that doesn't mean you're a Russia. It doesn't mean that you should be written off. You are special. You are wonderful. You are incredible. 
You are a person that God values so much so that he gave you an neshama. He gave you the ability to communicate, communicate with God. Your neshama is a little piece of God inside you. Don't tell yourself that you're a Russia. It's just an excuse never to improve. If you tell yourself that you're bad, that just means that you're not able to be the special person that you can be. It gives you the ability to write yourself off even before you've succeeded in being the special person that God knows that you can be, which is why he put you here on planet Earth. Says Reb Shimon, I know, I know it's possible that you can be the best version of yourself that you can be. I know it's possible that you can be disciplined in your prayers and in your devotion to God. I know that you have the ability to be better than you think that you can be. Don't write yourself off. Don't imagine that you are unable to be the special person that God expects you to be. Because you can be so special. Not you can be. You are so special. You are a little piece of God in God's earth. He put you here so that you can act as an interface between the heavenly spheres and the physical material universe. That is your duty. Make sure that you honor that duty in the best possible way. Make sure that you take that project forward and that you are a person who always is at the forefront of anything spiritual, of anything which is faith-based, of anything which is positive, of anything which builds other people up and builds yourself up so that you are the best possible version of yourself that you can be. That is Rabbi Shimon's advice. He was one of the great Talmidim of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And with that, we will leave it. Thank you so much.